Oh, Kapal, make me your own. Everyone calls you the gracious one. This is the Bhajan Mujane Apana Bana Lo Kapal on page 253. Oh, Satguru, do not look at my faults. I am filled with many faults. Oh, Satguru, cut my despair. I have borne much desperation and pain. Oh, Satguru, please consider. Everyone calls you the gracious one. The sinner mind is very strong. It makes me sin and takes away my virtues. Day and night it remains involved in the intoxication of lust, anger, greed, attachment, and egoism. O protector, shower grace, everyone calls you the gracious one. Many great rishis and munis were swayed away in the stream of mind. O Satguru, except you, who will hold the hand of me, a small jiva? O my Satguru, the gracious one on the poor, everyone calls you the gracious one. He himself protects his disciples. From the lowly ones, he makes them the highest. Ajayab is in your refuge, O Satguru. May his honor be protected. O Sawans Kripal, everyone calls you the gracious one. O Kripal, make me your own. Everyone calls you the gracious one. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 253. Mujhe apna apna lo kire Sabakete, 
सावन के कृपा तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपा तुझे सब कहते मुझे अपना बना लो कृपा तुझे सब कहते सब कहते सब कहते कृपा तुझे सब कहते ओ कृपाल मेक मी योर ओन एवरीवन कॉल्स यू द ग्रेशियस वन Our next bhajan is on page 174. Ji Satguru pyare a milo menu. Oh beloved Satguru, come and meet me. My soul is longing. I don't realize you're doing, but you have united me with God. I am full of bad qualities. I have no good qualities, but you yourself took pity on me. When you took pity on me grace was showered and I met the beloved Satguru Nanak says I will live only if I get nam and my body and mind will blossom Oh beloved Satguru come and meet me my soul is longing Bhajan of Guru Arjan Dev on page 174 ते गुरु प्यारे आमिलो
Beloved Satguru, come and meet me. My soul is longing. Today I want to read a couple of very basic writings. Um, the first one especially is very seminal writing a letter of Baba Sound Singh, uh, originally from the book Spiritual Gems, although I'm reading from the July 1978 Sant Bani, which it was published in. And then I want to read a short discourse of Master Kripal from 1972. Um, I will be going east this Wednesday and will be in New Hampshire for various things, including the July retreat in commemoration of the anniversary of Santa Jabe Singh G. Uh, and I'll be back toward the end of July. And the next class up here will be August 8th. At this letter, some of you will immediately recognize this, but it's been a while since I have, um, it may have been read by others, but since I have read it in its entirety, although I have read sections of it from time to time. <coughs> I always found this in terms of putting things in perspective and uh, describing the path from the point of view of the average practitioner to be unparalleled in its relevance. So this is from Baba Sawansing. Books that matter, as distinguished from trash, are accounts of the experiences of persons reduced to writing for the benefit of others. If anyone wishes to learn, say, chemistry, he studies books on chemistry. Thus he learns something about chemistry. But if he gets instructions directly from a chemist, he obtains a better grasp of the subject. Again, if he sets up a laboratory and begins to experiment, he will gain still better knowledge of the subject. And last of all, if he carries on his experiments under the personal directions of an expert chemist, he will avoid many a pitfall and will, in due time, become a chemist. Again, one book on chemistry may appeal to one student and may not appeal to another, for the mental makeup of the two may not be the same. One may have his analytical faculty developed, while in the other the synthetical faculty may predominate. A book, therefore, is not all comprehensive. The author has written it from the angle characteristic of himself, and it will appeal only to persons having a touch of the same qualities. Also, the same book may appeal to a person at one time and may not appeal to him at another time. For man is a variable creature and his intellect is a variable factor. 
Again, there is the difficulty of exact expression and of correct understanding. You cannot convey a correct idea of a railway train or a modern motor car to a person familiar with only bullock carts as a means of conveyance. A radio agent without receiving apparatus will carry but little conviction as to the marvels of radio among persons who never before heard of the radio. Even with a radio set at hand, he is likely to be taken as a juggler, that is to say, as a magician. So when ideas about material things cannot be conveyed correctly in words, either written or spoken, ideas about non-material things, such as mental and spiritual experiences, cannot possibly be expressed with any degree of clearness and exactitude to persons who never have had any such experiences. Yet mental and spiritual experiences on the mental and spiritual planes are as real as are the experiences of anyone on the physical plane. A boy who leaves school after learning the three R's says, knowledge is unlimited. A student who completes the common school course but who has not yet entered the university also says, knowledge is unlimited. The graduate of the university also says, knowledge is unlimited. A university professor who has encompassed the limits of learning afforded by all universities also says, knowledge is unlimited. Now the boy, the student, the graduate, and the professor all use the same expression, but evidently they do not mean the same thing at all. The boy's idea of knowledge is very shallow, while the idea of knowledge is held by the professor is deep, a sea compared to a pond. Books, therefore, convey but little at best and are often misunderstood. The more critically a beginner examines books, the more discrepancies he finds, and the result is usually confusion of thought. Hence the need for association with a living teacher also the need for actual experience of converting theory into fact or individual realization. So books by their very nature are imperfect and serve but a limited purpose. Man himself is the perfect book, for all books have come out of him. Inside of him is the creator with all his creation. Study of books gives second-hand information, while study of man gives first-hand information. That is, the study of what lies within ourselves. So why not enter within ourselves and see what is there? From the books we are to grasp the central or basic idea upon which the book is based. If you examine books in that spirit, I am not defending all books, and I am sorry to say that the English language is poor in real literature on spiritual subjects. You will find that the central idea of Saint Mat and of other religions also is the practice of the sound current. Many different names are used to express the idea. Christ, Muhammad, and the Vedic rishis practiced and preached the same. It may be said that they had studied or risen on this current to different heights, 
but the fundamental idea of all of their teachings is this sound current. The type of language or the setting in which this basic idea is given depends upon the place and the people the masters work among, their customs, the manner of their presentation, and their own intellectual development. And as these customs, manners, etc. change with time, their books go out of date. Hence the necessity of giving the same principle of the sound current afresh. The message must be kept modern and so adapted to the times and people to whom it is offered. This current is present in man, all men. It is natural in man, not artificial. It can neither be altered nor modified, nor added to nor subtracted from. All else in this world is changeable and changes continually, but not this current. It is an emanation from or wave of the great source of all, the supreme creator, by whatever name you wish to speak of him. Each individual is a spark or drop of that same infinite source. The creator is at the top of this current and the individual soul is at the other end, the current thus acting as the connecting link between them. By that current, the life, even the very existence of the individual is sustained. The individual feels no touch with it on account of the thick veils of mind and matter which cover it at this end. But it is there, in man and in all forms of creation, in the eye focus, whence it permeates the whole body below the eyes and then goes out from the body through the various sense organs. To catch it, the scattered and scattering attention must be controlled and held in the focus where connection is established with the astral, mental, and the spiritual planes, and the same finally merges into its source at the other end. The first essential thing, therefore, is to enter this laboratory within ourselves by bringing our scattered attention inside of the eye focus. This is a slow process, but we are not justified in saying that we cannot do it, or that it is impossible, or that it is useless. Here is a worthy pursuit for the application of our critical and other faculties. If we cannot control and subdue our thoughts arising within us, who else will? It is our job, and we must do it, and we must do it now, in this very lifetime, while we are human, for human beings are the highest form of creation. There are many ways of doing this, but from experience, saints find that repetition, called Simran, done in the manner explained at the time of initiation, is the best and most effective way, as well as the simplest way. If thoughts of the material world take us out of the focus, thoughts of the inner worlds will take us in that direction. When we are inside of the focus, we have disconnected ourselves from the material world and are on the threshold of the astral world. We too have cast off our material frame and we are of the same stuff as the astral world and are now in a position to function there. 
The same attention that was working in the material world is now capable of working in the astral world. And just as we now call this lower world real, we will find the astral world as real or more real than we now find this one. After reaching the astral plane, the same attention, now purified from the material dross, hangs on to the sound current, becomes further purified, and rises on it to reach the spiritual planes. With every inch of ascent, inwards and upwards, the soul is casting off the coverings of mind and matter and is awakening from the deep slumber of ages. Needless to say that in this process, the soul is not helpless, but it goes in and stays in and comes out at will. We may look at this matter in another way. The Creator is existence, knowledge, and bliss, or power, wisdom, and love. An atom or a spark of this essence of existence is the soul, which, encased in its coverings of mind and matter, forms the individual human being. If the coverings were removed from the individual, the soul would be naked and would be qualified to know its creator. The individual will know itself, attain self-realization, and will in turn be able to know its creator. Wrapped in its coverings, the soul merely hears of its source from others or reads about the creator in books, makes guesses, and draws imaginary pictures to satisfy its intellectual curiosity. It also manufactures creeds. If a lantern were wrapped in a thin muslin cloth, its light would be dimmed. If there is another envelope of thick, coarse cloth over the muslin, the light will be cut off entirely, and the lantern will cease to serve the purpose of a lantern. Man is much like a covered lantern. There is light in him. There is the spark of pure existence, knowledge, and bliss in him. But the envelopes of mind and matter dim his light, and he gropes in darkness. Real existence has degenerated and appears in him as reason, intellect, and instinct. Bliss has degenerated into fleeting experiences of pleasure and pain. Clothed in our dark coverings, we are incapable of understanding our source. And the extent to which we succeed in removing our coverings marks the degree of our capacity to understand our source. These remarks about the books, the creator, the individual, and the sound current will help us in answering your threefold question. One, the original home so often referred to, whence we came. Two, why we left that home. Three, will we ever leave it again? The individual, as he is constituted now, is incapable of understanding what has happened or is happening at the source. The saints who come from that end and have access to that end at will know what is going on at that end. But by the very nature of things, they are handicapped in trying to convey information to the individual at this end. They attempt in various ways to satisfy their audiences 
Some are convinced and some are not. No matter what answer is given to these questions, we can always find fault with it. And even if reason and intellect are satisfied for the time being, the necessity for converting theory into facts of experience and personal realization still remains. But the point is that saints do not wish to satisfy their audiences by empty words. They offer to take the inquirer to the other end and thus give him first-hand knowledge. One beauty of it is that at that end, these questions do not arise. So if the curious questioner would exercise a little patience and faith, most of his questions would be answered automatically as his experiences increase. Suppose a man finds himself at the bottom of a deep well, where he is very lonely and uncomfortable. Another man happens to pass that well. He carries a long rope. Finding this man in the well, he lets down his rope and offers to pull the man up, if only he will catch on to the end of the rope. But our man in the well enters into argument with the man above and demands to know just how he came to fall into that well and what is the guarantee that he may not fall into the well again if he is pulled up. The utmost that the man with the rope can say is that he will take him out of the well and then he can study the situation for himself. But if the man in the well does not take advantage of this opportunity, it only means that his time has not yet come to escape from his imprisonment. Predestination versus free will. A will is free only so long as it is not acted. Once it acts, then that very act becomes binding on it. The second time it acts, it does not act as a free will, but as a calculating will, for it carries the experience of the first act with it. And a calculating will is not a free will, but a limited will. The very creations or acts of a free will work as limiting factors upon it and guide it in its future activity. So the more experiences one has, the more his will is guided and thus limited. And this is real predestination. There is thus no antagonism between predestination, fate, karma, and free will. We were free at one time. We acted and then our acts became binding upon us. They curtailed our initial freedom. They now act upon us as unavoidable fate. Since our experiences have become complex and varied, these experiences now appear in us as joys and fears, hopes and desires, each of which in its turn molds or fashions our reason and intellect. Intellect, reason, and feeling, being what they have been fashioned to be, now determine our actions and make us choose the predestined course. Thus, the acts of one life determine the framework of the next life. Like farmers, we are now living on the crop we gathered last while we are preparing the soil and putting in the seed of the new crop. Although we must undergo our fate, there being no escape from it, yet all is not lost if we use the little freedom we have in such a manner as to lead to our ultimate rescue. 
We wish this age-long wandering from life to life to come to an end. And so it will, if we choose the means of escape. The easiest, the safest, and in fact the only way out is association with the free. Saints are free by virtue of their practice of the sound current. And they come among us with one single mission, that of connecting us with the sound current and so making us free. And this is the only path of spiritual freedom. Facts versus theories. That which may be a fact to one man may not necessarily be a fact to another. And it will not become a fact to him until he has had a similar experience. Facts of saint Matt are reproducible, like facts of any science, and can be demonstrated in the laboratory of saint Matt. The laboratory of saint Matt, as said before, is inside man. Anybody who enters this laboratory brings his scattered attention within himself at the eye focus, can see, feel, and realize what the saints say, and he can repeat the experiment as often as he likes. Saint Mat deals with facts only, not with theories or beliefs. It lays down a practical course for its devotees. It is practical through and through, and it can be executed by young or old, male or female, wise or simple-minded while at the same time they are enjoying the fullness of home life. Life duties. Saint Mat is natural and hence rational. It expects its devotees to live a normal life and to do their duties better than others. Sluggards do not make any headway here or elsewhere. Saint Mat creates detachment in attachment, living in the world and yet not of the world with mind under control, stimulated by a personal knowledge of other and better worlds, the disciple's viewpoint of life and of its duties and responsibilities changes. The life here actually becomes unreal, and its values are assessed accordingly. Things which others lay much stress upon become of little value to the disciple. And often that which others may consider valueless and even foolish may become of more value to the disciple than life itself. This is because he looks down upon life from a higher viewpoint. But this does not <clears throat> mean that anyone may neglect a real duty. Compared with life in the worlds above the eye focus, the life below the eye focus, our present condition, is no better than a dream. If people would go inside the focus and enter the upper worlds, they would become eternally happy. Empty talk would cease. They would contemplate the grand reality. So first you are to control your mind and rise within yourself to the eye focus, and the other man is to do the same within himself. When inside the eye focus, you and he have both cast off the material coverings, and matter is now no longer a hindrance in your study and upward march. Neither is it a hindrance in your communications with each other while you are both above the eye focus. To do this, it is not necessary to leave home or country. Anybody who goes inside of his focus is independent of time and space 
and he can, from his own experience, give guidance to another who has not reached so far. He who rises still higher and has access to other and higher worlds is capable of guiding others to those higher worlds. As in all branches of study, a student who occasionally meets his teacher and converses freely with him has a distinct advantage over one who takes only a correspondence course. The same is the case here in St. Mat and the development on this path. But the beauty of it is that when you gain access to the inner light and the worlds of light within, the elements of time and distance so completely disappear that you stand face to face with your teacher and master, and he will always remain right there to instruct and to lead you, as well as to strengthen you. You need not accept anything which does not appeal to you in books or even in my letters. You may leave aside for the time being the ultimate object of life and its how and why. You may start your inquiry from this end and then take as your objective the attack upon the eye focus. Reach that point as best you can by this or any other method. Draw up your own plans if you wish. Only make and execute some plan to reach that objective. Bring your plan into action. That is the main thing. And then if you find it does not work so well, come back to this plan. The main point is to reach the eye focus somehow. You will be dealing with your own attention. If you succeed in holding it inside of the focus, you have won the battle of life. You say in eight weeks since your initiation you have made no progress. Saint Mat does not fix any time limit. Let us appreciate the situation. Ever since our birth, at which time we left the eye focus and came out of it and established our connections with this world, we have not gone inside of it. Sometimes when we have a deep, intricate problem to solve, we close our eyes and try to think by holding all our attention in the eye center. We do it for a short time, but soon run out again because we have acquired the bad habit of always remaining away from the focus. Poets, painters, and musicians receive inspiration from this point. All great thinkers get their ideas clarified here. Whatever scientific progress the world has made has all been derived from this source. This focus, back of the eyes, is the fountain of all inspiration which has produced the world's masterpieces. And whatever further progress is to be made in the future, the source of information and inspiration will still be this point. Here is where divinity comes down to meet the struggling man. And what holds us outside this focus? Why does not everybody in the world rush with his utmost ability to enter this magic fountain of inspiration and wisdom? Because our attention has always been and is yet attached to our bodies, to our near relations, to our homes, to our countries, and to our pleasures, sometimes to our pains and sorrows. We have so much identified ourselves with these things that we have lost our identity. 
unless now we start detaching ourselves from these outside connections, begin to develop the capacity to switch our attention on and off at will, we can make but little progress on the path. We are to re-establish our identity, to assert our supremacy over our minds and bodies. Mind must be made to work when we wish it to, and to remain motionless when we wish it to do so. We must become able to enter in this body when we wish, to function in this world when necessary, and then to go out of it at will when we wish to function in another world. It is the attention which is to go inside and see. And so long as it is running outside, who is to see inside? If the owner of a house sits always outside of his house and complains that he cannot see what is going on inside, his complaint is not justified. This detaching the attention from the external connections is a slow affair. Habits become second nature. It takes time to form new habits. But slow and steady wins the race and practice makes perfect. Follow your mind for a minute and see what keeps it away from its headquarters. Avoid whatever interferes and accept what helps in reaching your objective. I have already given you the saint's method based on long, long experience. If anyone is sure that he is on the right path, then if he takes but one step a day, he is still approaching his destination and is sure to get there someday, no matter how distant his destination may be. You will perhaps say, how am I to know that I am on the right path? I give you the means of proving it for yourself. Until you have proved it for yourself, you must, per necessity, accept something on faith. You would have to do the same if you were building a bridge. Lucky indeed is he who spends his short life in the master's company. If a man is a true seeker, he should give himself up to the Satguru and drop all else. It has been said already how the attention of man is attached to all sorts of worldly relationships and things. There is hardly any attention left for the study of self and for seeking God. Look about you. Who has time for all the needs of his own soul? He should take time, but he thinks he cannot. His attention is so monopolized by trifles that he has no time for most vital concerns. A true seeker who gives undivided attention to the things of the spirit is a rare bird. But men follow after that which they love best. A lover cannot be kept separated from his beloved, for he has given himself over to his beloved. His beloved is his life. The quoted passages only point to the ideal. A saint is lucky if he gets one or two genuine seekers during his whole lifetime. And this is a talk Master Kripal Singh gave on October 17th, 1972. It was a Tuesday morning um, at St. Bonnie Ashram in New Hampshire after the meditation sitting. Kabir says, I have not seen any man born who is happy. So masters say, what is the reason why we are not happy? The source of happiness is within you. 
and you have been seeking it outside all through life, in eating, drinking, enjoying scenes, music, this and that thing. If you had withdrawn from outside and risen above body consciousness, you would have found the source of light. So masters say that the human body is the highest in all creation. We have to be in the human body to come in contact with that source of all joy, all happiness, all wisdom, which is within you. Now you see we are identified, all identified with the body through the outgoing faculties. Our attention is all but identified with it, so much so that we have forgotten ourselves. They say, rise within you, tap inside. And this is in one and all. How long will this body continue? Few days, few years. After all, we have to leave the body. So this is the golden opportunity in which we must find out that source of happiness which is within us. That can only be had if we rise above body consciousness. This is what the masters come and teach us. First, to rise above body consciousness, withdraw your attention from all outside, then withdraw your attention from the body below. Where does it go? Up, because the seat of the soul is at the back of the eyes. And at the time of death, when the soul leaves the body, it withdraws first to the back of the eyes and then transcends. There the water of life is flowing, you see, is trickling. So they address all human beings alike. Well, please withdraw your attention from the body below. Go up. That's the way back to light. That's the way back to God. This has been the teaching of all masters. This outer life has been given to you for a short time. Make the best use of it. After all, you have to leave the body. When you have to leave the body, why not leave slowly now? Leaving the body means leaving the body as at the time of death. A dying man's outer attention is withdrawn. If anyone goes to him, he does not recognize him. Then the soul, the attention, is withdrawn from the body and the body becomes numb. The eyes are upturned and it goes. This is what is called spirituality. O oh man, learn to lead this body. After all, you have to leave this body someday, sooner or later, maybe tomorrow, maybe after leaving this room, maybe that you go to sleep and never rise again. Sleep is called the younger sister of death. And moreover, you see, we are attached either to the body or the outside possessions, our family, our contacts, our friendships, our outer enjoyments. When you repeat a certain action daily, then that becomes a habit, and habit turns into nature. You cannot leave it. So this is something to be done. You will say, we have come here to enjoy, and this death question comes in every day, but this is the thing you have to do. If you are ignorant about it, then what will happen? After all, you have to leave. This attachment grows more and more. Why? You should go into it. Leave all desires. Leave all desires. The desires that are attached to outside, 
to possessions and everything. Lord Buddha says, be desireless. The tenth guru says, be desireless. Desire is the thing which detracts, attracts you outside from day to day. You will go down, headlong down. The source of all attachment outside is your desires. There was one Wali Ram, the Prime Minister of Akbar the Great. It was the custom in Akbar's court that when the king arrived, all ministers would stand up and would not move until the king sat down. On this day, Wali Ram had a coat in which there was a scorpion, and the king was coming so he could not move out of respect. It stung him one place, then another, then three or four times more. He kept quiet. When the king sat down, he said, Look here, do you know this scorpion has bitten me so many times and I have not moved in obedience to the king? If I take it that I am now prime minister, I have been given so much high position only by obedience to the king here. If I am obedient to my lord, what more can I become? He pulled out his coat, threw it down, and ran away to the wilderness. The king was very fond of him. He sent a minister to bring him back. With all his entreaties, Valiram said, No, I have done that service. Now I am taking the service of God. Then the king himself went to him. He told him, Look, Valiram, you are my prime minister, the most wise. I respect you and love you. Will you come back? No, I have taken another service, a higher service than yours. He said, Well, I would offer you anything you like. And Valiram said, Anything? I would like you to go away from this place. You see? So what this desire is that binds us to the outer things, we may be prime minister, may be king, may be anything. Man wants to have something, and to get that he has to work like anything, maybe right or wrong. So masters say you cannot leave this body and outer things unless you become desireless. Please leave off desire. Of course it is these desires for outside things that are binding you. If you have a desire to know God, to become His, you will, be you will become unconcerned. Do you know what happens? Breathing is going on day and night, and thy days are numbered. Masters in the East say, thy breaths are numbered. It must be finished. It goes in, goes out. We are just absorbed in our outer thoughts. We don't care. We are quite ignorant about this. All the time life is passing away. Time and tide wait for no man. After all, it is something like a pitcher full of water. Drop by drop it is oozing out. Then what will happen? One day the pitcher will be empty. All the water will be out. Similarly, these numbers of breaths or drops of water, you might say, they are dropping out one by one. We think we are getting old. Truly speaking, we are growing young. A man who has to live 50 years, if he has passed 10 years, he has 40 years left. When 20 years have passed, he has only 30 years left. Are you growing older or younger? It's going down. So first of all, man should have some aim in life. That's the main thing. What is your aim? And the highest aim for a man is to know God. And the time is getting shorter. All of you are sitting here. 
I think you are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. If 50 years have passed away, you have got only a short time left to yourself. Have you achieved your purpose? And that purpose is knowing God only. Acting and posing won't do. You are deceiving your own self and deceiving the God within you. Have you reached God? Have you seen God? Are you true to him? If so, that's good. If not, we should hurry up. In the short time that remains, we should put in more time so as to be ready before we leave the body. Because we have to leave the body when the time is finished. So when the number of breaths is over, then? These are very common things, simple things. No exaggeration, hard facts. You are the best judge of yourself. Are you true to your own self? Are you honest? Have you come in contact with God? These contacts have been given to you as a favor, I tell you. Grace of God. We have not earned them. Something has been given. Grow further, then it will be better. Do you know the parable that Christ gave? A rich man came and gave to one man five talents, another man two talents, third man one talent. After some time he came up and asked the man who had been given five talents what he had done with them. He had made ten. That's all right. The one to whom he had given two had made four. But the man who had been given one, he said, Oh, I have kept it very safe. So what did he do? He took away the one talent that he had. You follow me what I say? Set aside all your intellects, you see? These are hard facts, what is coming before us. This is a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Don't you see that way, what I am pressing before you? Every day, every hour, every minute, every second is bringing you closer to the end. Our time has been frittered away and we have not achieved the object. The result will be we will be bound to the outside and we will come back. And the cause of binding is only your desires. Desires bring us back. Worldly desires will bring you back, and the desire for God will take you to Him. Whatever ruling passion, whatever your ruling passion is at the end of your life, you will be driven there. That's the law. I am not giving you any bombastic talk, only simple words. What I have come to know, and I think it appeals to everyone. I am not saying anything which is not understandable. Don't you think like that? Then what have we done? We deceive ourselves, that's the pity. Why does not God approach us? Because we deceive him. Two seekers after truth went to a saint. He simply tested them to see which one was fit. He gave them each a pigeon and told them to kill it where nobody sees you. So one was very active, very clever. He went around the side of a wall and killed him and came back in a few minutes. The other poor fellow went from morn till night and could not find any place to kill him where nobody was seeing him. He came back in the evening. Master, there was no place where I could kill the pigeon. Why? Well, first the pigeon saw me. Then I was seeing. He was fit. These are simple things. The only thing required is to live up to them, that's all. If you have an MA or a PhD, or if you are a king or an emperor, no value. You will have to leave the body and you will have to go where you are attached. 
Masters do come from time to time to take you out of the body first. The first lesson, the ABC, the more you are attached outside, you cannot go up. The diary is meant only for that purpose. Do you see now how you develop, how much time you put in, and where you are attached, leave them one by one. We pass the time in ignorance. All the time, God is calling you from within. The sound principle, the music of the spheres, is coming within you from above. All masters say so. Tulsi Saab says, sound is coming from the heavens, calling me back. Shamas de Bray says, out of this temple of the body, I am hearing a sound calling me. Come up. Bell is ringing wildly. Come back, my children, come back. You see? And we do not listen. This is how masters see, and this is within you. Light is given to show you which way to go, and sound directs you where to go. These are the two ways back to God. Is it not? And I think that I will stop there. Anyone wants to read this talk, it is in the August 1978, St. Bonnie. Um, I don't think it's ever been published anywhere else. The, the only thing I would add to what the Masters have said, and it doesn't really need adding, is to remember always that not only is the path a real thing, that is to say, it is not a system of beliefs, the Masters do not care a fig as Master Kripal would say, what we believe in. They care about what we do and about the amount of love that comes out of our heart. And the belief will take care of itself as it is shaped by our experience. And the other thing is that God and the Master, really the same power working either without a body or through a body, wants us to come home more than anything in the world. Come back, my children, come back. The bell is ringing wildly. Please come home. Many, many stories that different masters have told bring this out. The master wants to take us up. He does not want people to worship him. He does not want gratification on the level that we tend to assume that everybody wants. He wants to take us up because he loves us. He loves us because we are his children. We are the same essence as he is. Master Kripal said many, many times, God is within everyone. Not even just human beings. In every form of life, God is present. As Sawan Singh said in the first reading, uh, the soul is an atom or a spark or a drop of that underlying essence. Each one of us is very dear to God. He really is our parent. We can think of him as a father. We can think of her as a mother. Both are accurate. Both are valid. And saints have looked at them both ways. As Guru Arjan said, you are my father, you are my mother. You are my kinsman, you are my brother. Yeah, God is all of those things. That He loves us, that love is the core of the universe, and it is available to us 
It is within everyone, and when the Master initiates us, he makes it possible for us to contact that if we are willing to look in that direction. And it's there. It doesn't go anywhere. It remains there, and it is the underlying fact of the universe, the core of the universe, as Rabia says. So this, we should never forget this. You know, this is the point of the whole why the masters come into this world in the first place. You know, to explain how and why the world got into the mess it is. It can be done, but in order to understand it, we have to develop faculties and receiving apparatuses, etc., that enable us to see further and deeper than we can now see. So by accepting the love that we are given, hanging on to it, and allowing ourselves to be pulled up by it, we eventually reach the point where we can understand why the three worlds exist, why the cycle of births and deaths goes around and around the three worlds, why in the three worlds, the world of time and space, the negative powers world, uh, punishment and reward are the facts of life. And then when we rise above that, we see that those three worlds are just a little drop in the entirety of the universe, and the universe as a whole is not motivated by reward and punishment, does not hinge on uh, any doing or undoing, deserving or undeserving on our part, but functions entirely on love. And as Master Sawansing used to say, where there is love, there is no law. This, it's very easy to forget all this. And that is why the Masters take so much time, you know, to explain to us so carefully and so delicately and so beautifully um, exactly what the deal is. And they give us that. We don't deserve it, but it is a question of grace. And that grace is an ever-present fact. It's always there. Thank God for that. All right, we will now hear a few minutes of the tape. Now, Guru Nanak Sahib says that, how did my master make me see God? He said that, first of all, my master gave me the Simran, and he told me to do the Simran and make it the nine openings and come to come behind the eyes at the eye center. Over there, there was the light, and beyond the light, there was the Shabbat. That's limitless Shabbat, which is coming from our eternal home, and day and night, that Shabbat is sounding within us. So here he says that my beloved master, through that Shabbat made me see that God Almighty. Santa Mahatma, Sumya Sanya Gala Nikar Dege, Jokushuna Nijindi Nijikita Hundahe, 
ਆਪਣੇ ਗੁਰੂ ਦੀ ਕਿਰਪਾ ਨਾਲ ਪ੍ਰਾਪਤ ਕੀਤਾ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਉਹੀ ਬਿਆਨ ਕਰਦੇ ਆ ਫਰੈਂਡਸ ਮਹਾਤਮਾ ਸੁਨ ਨਾਟ ਟਾਕ ਫਰਮ ਦੀ ਜਸੇ ਵਾਟ ਐਵਰ ਦੇ ਹੈਵ ਡਨ ਇਨ देयर ਓਨ ਲਾਈਫ ਵਾਟ ਐਵਰ ਦੇ ਹੈਵ ਅਚੀਵਡ ਥਰੂ ਦ ਗ੍ਰੇਸ ਆਫ देयर ਮਾਸਟਰਸ ਦੇ ਟਾਕ ਓਨਲੀ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਥੋਸ ਥਿੰਗਸ ਮੈਂ ਸਦਾ ਹੀ ਦੱਸਦਾ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਹਾਂ ਕਿ ਕਿਸੇ ਮਹਾਤਮਾ ਦੇ ਚਰਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਾਣ ਤੋਂ ਪਹਿਲਾਂ ਉਹਦੀ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਜ਼ਿੰਦਗੀ ਜ਼ਰੂਰ ਪੜੋ ਕਿ ਉਸ ਮਹਾਤਮਾ ਨੇ ਕਦੇ ਅਭਿਆਸ ਕੀਤਾ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਉਹਦੀ ਅਭਿਆਸੀ ਜ਼ਿੰਦਗੀ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਉਹਨੇ 10 ਸਾਲ 15 ਸਾਲ 20 ਸਾਲ ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਦੀ ਖੋਜ ਵਿੱਚ ਲਾਏ ਜਾਂ ਅਭਿਆਸ ਵਿੱਚ ਲਾਏ ਆਫਨ ਆਈ ਹੈਵ ਸੈਡ ਦੈਟ ਬਿਫੋਰ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਦ ਫੀਟ ਆਫ ਐਨੀ ਮਹਾਤਮਾ ਯੂ ਸ਼ੁੱਡ ਫਰਸਟ ਰੀਡ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਹਿਸ ਲਾਈਫ whether he has done any meditation in his life or not whether he has lived a practical meditative life or not whether he has spent 10 20 years of his life searching for god almighty or not aaj tak jitne bhi param sansar vich aaye hain guru nanak ji murana ji samasudre baba jayendra singh maras savan singh ਮਾਰਾਇ ਕਪਾਲ ਸਿੰਘ ਸਾਰੇ ਸੰਤਾਂ ਦੀ ਇਸ਼ਟੀ ਪੜ ਕੇ ਦੇਖੋ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੇ ਕਿੰਨੀਆਂ ਕਿੰਨੀਆਂ ਮਿਹਨਤਾਂ ਕੀਤੀਆਂ ਕਿੰਨਾ ਕਿੰਨਾ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੇ ਸੰਜਮ ਰੱਖਿਆ ਰੀਡ ਦ ਹਿਸਟਰੀਜ਼ ਆਫ ਆਲ ਦ ਪਰਮ ਸੰਸ ਹੂ ਹੈਵ ਕਮ ਇਨ ਥਿਸ ਵਰਲਡ ਅਪ ਟੂ ਥਿਸ ਸਟੇਜ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਕਬੀਰ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਮਹਾਰਾਣਾ ਰੂਪ ਸ਼ਮਸਤਾ ਬ੍ਰੇਜ ਐਂਡ ਆਲ ਦ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਰੀਡ ਦ ਹਿਸਟਰੀਜ਼ ਐਂਡ ਸੀ ਦੈਟ ਹਾਊ ਮਚ ਸੈਕਰੀਫਾਈਸਸ ਦੇ ਮੇਡ ਹਾਊ ਮਚ ਮੈਡੀਟੇਸ਼ਨ ਦੇ ਡਿਡ ਐਂਡ ਫਾਰ ਹਾਊ ਮਚ ਟਾਈਮ ਦੇ ਸਰਚ ਫਾਰ ਗੋਡ ਐਂਡ ਦੇ ਪ੍ਰੈਕਟਿਸ ਦਰ ਮੈਡੀਟੇਸ਼ਨ ਤੋ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਗੱਲੀ ਕਿਨੇ ਨਾ ਪਾਇਆ ਸੋ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਸੇ ਦੈਟ ਨੋ ਵਨ ਹੈਜ਼ ਅਚੀਵਡ ਹਿਮ ਥਰੂ ਟਾਕਿੰਗ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਨਵੇਂ ਪੜਨਾ ਵਿੱਚ ਪੜਦੇ ਹੋ ਗੱਲਾਂ ਦਾ ਮਜਬੂਨ ਨਹੀਂ ਕੋਈ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਰਕੇ ਦੇਖੇ ਇਨ ਦ ਨਿਊ ਵਰਜਨ ਯੂ ਵੁਡ ਹੈਵ ਰੈਡ ਦੈਟ ਥਿਸ ਇਜ਼ ਨਾਟ ਦ ਮੈਟਰ ਆਫ ਟਾਕਿੰਗ ਐਨੀਵਨ ਹੂ ਡਸ ਇਟ ਕੈਨ ਸੀ ਸੰਤੇ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਕਿ ਅਸੀਂ ਵੀ ਕਾਮਯਾਬ ਹੋਏ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਨਹੀਂ ਹੋ ਸਕਦੇ ਉਹ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਕੋਈ ਵੀ ਇਹ ਪ੍ਰੈਕਟਿਸ ਕਰ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਦੇਖ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਅੰਦਰ ਜਾ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਸ਼ਾਂਤੀ ਨੂੰ ਪ੍ਰਾਪਤ ਕਰ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਮਾਸਟਰਸ ਡੂ ਨਾਟ ਸੇ ਥੈਟ ਵੀ ਹੈਵ ਡਨ ਇਟ ਐਂਡ ਯੂ ਕੈਨ ਨਾਟ ਡੂ ਇਟ ਦੇ ਸੇ ਥੈਟ ਨੋ ਐਨੀਵਨ ਹੂ ਡਸ ਇਟ ਕੈਨ ਹੈਵ ਇਟ ਐਨੀਵਨ ਹੂ ਡਸ ਦ ਮੈਡੀਟੇਸ਼ਨ ਕੈਨ ਗੋ ਵਿਦ ਇਨ ਸੀ ਦ ਥਿੰਗਸ ਇਨ ਹਿਸ ਓਨ ਆਈ ਐਂਡ ਕੈਨ ਗੈਟ ਟੂ ਬੀਸ ਸਿੱਖਦੀ ਸ਼ਰਧਾ ਜ਼ਰੂਰੀ ਹੈ ਸਿੱਖਦੇ ਅੰਦਰ ਆਪਣਾ ਪਿਆਰ ਗੁਰੂ ਵਾਸਤੇ ਗੁਰੂ ਵਾਸਤੇ ਸ਼ਰਧਾ ਜ਼ਰੂਰੀ ਹੈ ਔਰ ਮਿਹਨਤ ਵਾਲੀ ਸਿੱਖ ਚੋਰ ਨਾ ਹੋਵੇ ਗੁਰੂ ਨੂੰ ਸਾਥ ਲੈ ਕੇ ਹੀ ਅੰਦਰ ਜਾ ਸਕਦਾ ਹੈ ਦ ਫੇਥ ਆਫ ਦ ਡਿਸਾਈਪਲ ਇਜ਼ ਵੈਰੀ ਇੰਪੋਰਟੈਂਟ ਇਟ ਇਜ਼ ਵੈਰੀ ਇੰਪੋਰਟੈਂਟ ਫॉर ਦ ਡਿਸਾਈਪਲ ਟੂ ਹੈਵ ਐਨ ਅਨਬ੍ਰੇਕੇਬਲ ਲਵ ਐਂਡ ਫੇਥ ਇਨ ਦ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਐਂਡ ਓਨਲੀ ਟੇਕਿੰਗ ਹਿਸ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਅਲੋਂਗ ਵਿਦ ਹਿਮ ਓਨਲੀ ਅਕੰਪਨੀਂਗ ਦ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਕੈਨ ਅ ਡਿਸਾਈਪਲ ਗੋ ਵਿਦ ਹਿਮ ਨਿਰਮਲ ਜੋਤ Final Vajan is on page 265. O foolish mind, at least now wake up. The night is dark, the path is unknown. On your head is the burden of sins. The river is deep, the boat is old, and on top of that it is thousands of holes. Ages have passed while you were sleeping. O lazy one, give up the sleep. parents the wife the son the brother whom you understand as the most beloved they all will leave you as soon as the bird of life flies away 
Everyone has their own tambourine and all have their own melody. The essence of all the truths is Nam. Nam is the support of life. Love is Nam, and by saying Nam, one takes the boat across. Kripal is the holy Nam of God, who protects and loves. Leaving hundreds of works, go to satsang. O man, leaving thousands of works, meditate. As much as the body needs food, the soul also needs the food of Simran. O Ajayab, remember the words of Kripal. You have wandered enough, so at least now wake up. O foolish mind, at least now wake up. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 265. <laughs> Abto jag Oman Murak Abto jag Oman Murak Abto jag Rat andheri Pate anjana Sir parahe papo kapara Yeri nadia nave purani Oros mebi chedahajar Rat anderi pate anjana Sir parahe papo kabara Yeri nadia nave purani Or usme biche dahajar Bit gaye juga Sote, sote, are alasi nindratiag. O man murak abto jag. O man murak abto jag. Mata pita patni sutdara Samajera jinko atipyara Pranok panchi udtehi Kare jayenge sabikinara Mata pita patni sutdara Samajira jinko atipyara Pranoka panchi udatehi Karajayenge sabikinara Sab ki apni, apni dafali 
सब का अपना अपना ओ मन मूरक आब तो जाग ओ मन मूरक आब तो जाते का सार नाम है जीवन का अदार नाम है प्रेम नाम है प्यार नाम है कहते बेरा पार नाम है सकल सते का सार नाम है जीवन का अदार नाम है प्रेम नाम है प्यार नाम है कहते बेरा पार नाम है प्रभु को पवन पाल नाम है करे प्रतिपाल और अनुरा मन मूरक आब तो जाग ओ मन मूरक तो सो काम चोर सतसंग में जाना हजार काम चोर बंदे ध्यान लगाना जितनी जरूरत तन को खाने की आत्मा भी मांगे सिमरन खाना सोखाम छोरा सात सांग में जाना हजार काम चोर बंदे ध्यान लगाना जितनी जरूरत तन को खाने की आत्मा भी मांगे सिमरन खाना वाक अजैब याद राक कृपाल काली तो करे आब तो जा मन मूरक आब तो जा मन मुराक आब तो चाहिश माइंड एट लीस्ट नाउ वेक अप मे गॉड ब्लस ऑल